0: To be murdered I'm back. I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. 24th Podcast is back for a very late Sunday afternoon podcast. It won't be so damn late where I wake up. And I'm like, in the morning, and I'm like, I gotta wait until, like, late at night, midnight, to record today's podcast tomorrow. No more! I'm coming in, bringing in faster fast boss than Montana Faust did. And Alabama versus University of Kentucky saw that game. She didn't even play in today's game. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But, on t- but I, I really want to get into this whole Julio Jones type of situation, right? People are putting out their own ideas. People are talking about Julio. What's, who's he going to go to? We're nearing the June 1st deadline. I believe that it's going to be on Tuesday when they'll make those pre-June 1st cuts, post-June 1st cuts to save some money on the cap. On top of that, we will also be getting into the NBA finals and championships and we've kind of covered it a little bit. I'll give you a little bit more on it here today. Also, we'll cover some of the games that happened today as well. No podcast Sunday. Usually, I like to take a day off. Sunday's gonna be my day off. But today, we're gonna come in. We're gonna freaking throw fastball, We're gonna be the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. It's not even close. Don't worry about it, ladies and gentlemen. Great podcast coming up for you right here on 24th podcast. if i was as good as i was still twice as good as be. Only way that you're Just turn it up all the way because if you diss me i'm coming after you like the killing everything eulogy it's a funeral prepare to die this music for you to be murdered by. Ah Probably one of my favorite songs on music to be murdered by. That would count as a title track, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. It is. Let me spit out my gum here. Hold on. Because I've been chewing. Hold on. Wait. Where's my wrapper? I'm chewing it. For like the last hour or so. Anyways, what do we got on deck? Let's start off with the big bad boy, right? Julio Jones. So, Julio, we've talked about ad nauseam. We've talked about him for almost a month now, you know, essentially ever since the draft got started or not got started, but the draft started, right? During the draft process, you heard about Aaron Rodgers being up for a trade and things of that nature, but I was interested in the Julio Jones thing. I was like, how real is that? Apparently people were making phone calls that weekend about Julio. All right. Weeks later, weeks and weeks pass. we go from April all the way to the end of May, it's May 29th right now, to essentially the beginning of June, and some of those things that were happening late in April are about to come to fruition. Julio Jones is about to be traded, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll tell you who I think he is going to be traded to in a minute, but I also want to explain some things very quickly here. If your team is a losing team and has been categorically a losing team, he will not be going to that football team. I was listening to the Rich Eisen show today, a Las Vegas Raider fan had called up, they called up on the phone, beep-boop, 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 called up on the phone, talked to Rich, he said, you know, I think we're gonna be a 28th drafting team or a 32nd drafting team, essentially meaning that the Raiders were going to win a Super Bowl, if we were to get Julio Jones. Let me, be, let me be clear and honest. A wide receiver for the majority of the teams in the NFL will not make you a Super Bowl champion. Even Richard Eichen was like, I think Julio will put him, will put them over the Chargers. That is not correct at all. At all whatsoever. The reality of the case with Julio Jones and whatever NFL team you want to ascribe him to, the reality of the situation is the majority of the teams can't get him because he doesn't want to go to a losing team. He's been on a losing team for the past. I mean, how long? I mean, how long was he on Atlanta for the past 10 years? Why would he want to go to the Raiders where they cut their best players? They don't get players to replace their best players. They get uh, they they get a tackle who they shouldn't have gotten. They should have gotten Tevin Jenkins. I'll say that for a very long time to at the very least three years past ladies and gentlemen. And here we are once again where they've gutted and stabbed and freaking butchered their offensive line to the point where none of their great offensive linemen from the, er, from not the early 2010s, excuse me, from the mid 2010s are even there anymore. Now we have an issue. Now we have a problem. Because when you're trying to make phone calls and you're trying to be a contender, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the Raiders aren't a playoff team. They're not a playoff contender they're not getting to Julio Jones. The majority of the league isn't. But as far as I know, right, as far as I think, he's not going to be traded to the NFC, right? He's not going to go to Green Bay. Why would they, like, he wants to go to a contender. Why the fuck would Atlanta make themselves look terrible if Julio Jones goes to, uh, goes to Green Bay? So, if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, that ain't working. It's like, oh yeah, let's give him, let's give him the best quarterback in the NFL. Oh yeah, and then we're going to get no compensation Essentially because the Green Bay Packers have been drafting in what like the 30s for the past two years because they've gone to the NFC championship game for the past two years. So essentially they're not going to get a first rounder for Julio. They're going to get a second rounder if Green Bay plays the same way that we think Greenway, Green Bay excuse me, will play. So that's fun for Green Bay if they get him. Not so fun for Atlanta. And if the GM for the Green Bay Packers, or not the Green Bay Packers, excuse me, but for Atlanta is worth any anything, he will just he will just not trade Julio to the uh, the Green Bay Packers. He'll just not do it, because that's stupid. Bucks are also an interesting team. The Seattle Seahawks are also an interesting team as well, but Seattle won't do it. They don't have the cap for it. They gotta sign Jamal Adams this offseason or the next, and they definitely wanna re sign Jamal soon because he's going to cost them a shit ton of money, ladies and gentlemen. Told you, Jamal Adams is up. Maybe the Rams, but the Rams, they got to finesse their strap, their, their cap, right? Maybe Arizona, right? Maybe. There's some question marks on Arizona that Atlanta may want to take up. But these are all just like semi possibilities, right? These are all like, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't happen, by the way, for people saying he'll be traded to Tampa division rival, right? In the case of Julio Jones being traded, he will be traded to an AFC team because no, like they don't want to trade him to the Green Bay Packers and he'll have a say in where he's going at least he should have a say in where he's going, considering that he's given them 10 years of quite possibly one of the greatest wide receivers in the NFL in the history of the sport. He should 1000% decide where he gets to go, uh, gets to get traded to, excuse me, even though the GM for Atlanta did something that I think is terrible already. He was like, you know, let me try and shop Julio already. I'm like, you know what? Maybe you ask Julio where he wants to be shopped before you shop him. But Julio was like, oh, you guys are trying to get rid of me. I'll get rid of you guys. Hey, Tell any NFL team that wants me, I'm up for a trade. Because I am up for a trade. And that's what Julio did. He's like, I'm up for a trade. I'm out of there, as he said to Shannon Sharp. AFC teams, ladies and gentlemen. No, not the Raiders, not the Bengals, even though I would love it if he went to the Bengals. Maybe not because, you know, they need a third. They don't necessarily need a one or a two. Because they already have a one and a two because they drafted Jamal Adams. not Jamal Adams, Jamar Chase. AFC teams. So, then you kind of narrow it down, right? You kind of think to yourself, well, team that needs a wide receiver, that's going to be a contender, that's also going to have the cap space for it, and you really only get to the Patriots, ladies and gentlemen. And apparently, and maybe the Tennessee Titans, but that's a maybe. Apparently, right, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit of context about Patriots is going to give you the scoop. Apparently, they're both interested. They're mutually interested. The Patriots are interested in Julio Jones and Julio Jones is very interested in the New England Patriots and the prospect of becoming a New England Patriot and that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is fucking gold because right now, as much as I love what the Patriots did in the offseason, adding a bunch of wide receivers to their core, they still don't have a clear-cut number one wide receiver, and then bada bing, bada boom, you get Julio Jones, and then you wash your hands essentially of Nikhil Harry. You say, "Hey, Nikhil Harry, we're gonna have tryouts, but more likely than not, I want like you may keep him on your roster, but if he if he's a huge cap hit, then cut him and see who wants him." Which is the reality of the situation. It's a trick question. Nobody wants um, Nikhil Harry. I'm calling it right now ladies and gentlemen He ain't going to any other team Besides the Patriots Barring something incredibly weird Maybe the Titans I've heard the Titans are involved But I haven't heard Julio wants to go to the Titans I think he wants to go to a winning team With a winning culture and try to win a Super Bowl He's sick and tired of being on teams That maybe maybe not go to the playoffs that, are, that got booted out of the first round Of the playoffs last year I mean it Leo Jones, man, a lot of interest, a lot of intrigue, one of the best wideouts in the league, if not the best, is now up for trade, and I, like, I, I'm like, I, I said it, I'm like, every single team in the league besides certain teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Denver Broncos, and like a couple of other teams that have a lot of firepower at wide receiver, pocket your first rounder that you're probably gonna have to spend to get them. And um, move on. Because you don't need him. At least that's what I would do. Other people aren't going to do. Do exactly what I want them to do. As evident by what happened in the draft and what's going on in free agency. <clears throat> Leo Jones, interesting piece. Interesting player. Anyways, let's continue forward. So, pro football focus, right? Put out a list. A lot of people are making lists for some weird reason. I, I I don't understand it myself. I don't know why we're putting out lists of X best player. I guess it's for the summer. I'm guessing. But they're putting out lists And one list that caught my eye, and we're going to go over two lists that caught my eye, was the edge defender rankings from Pro Football Focus. And they ranked all, maybe not all 32 players, but these are the best players, the best edge players entering the 2021 season. Now, I was looking at the list, right, the other day, and I was like, all right, I see some... Inconsistencies. I see some bad, some bad, you know, some bad selections here and there. And then I saw some other selections that I was just like, what is going on? And then I was like, we got to talk about it on the podcast. So let's get into it, all right? So first and foremost, right, PFF, I'm not a big subscriber to them. Um, they're kind of like one of those companies that has some things that I look at, but then most of their stuff I don't look No, I don't. There's not. I, I don't watch PFF. I was, I was about to say that I, I look at some things and then I was like, no, check yourself 24. You don't look at anything that PFF puts out except when they're wrong because it's like, it's like some of the stuff that they put out. I'm like, that is incorrect. PFF. What are you doing? I don't go for the lists. I sometimes will go for their statistics, but. Even then, I'm like, this is kind of, all right, like, like I, I go for raw statistics. So, in the case of pro football focus, right, PFF, as it is commonly referred to, once again, they put out an edge rushers list, 32 top players, and um, it's, it's exactly what we talked about with their quarterbacks where it was like, oh, okay, this player makes sense here. This player makes sense there. This player here doesn't make sense. Some of it's subjective. Some of it is objective, ladies and gentlemen. We won't go through every single pick. I'll kind of just go over some of the big big boys and things of that nature. <clears throat> so essentially, these aren't the best edge players going into the 2020 season or coming out of the 2020 season. This is the best edge players going into the 2021 season. Right? So, let me type in one guy's statistics here and then we'll get popping. Okay. So, the first, the first thing that kind of pops out to me ladies and gentlemen about it was as a matter of fact an article that I got right how I even got this pro football focus thing was actually because of a Dallas Cowboy article that I got a couple of days ago I forgot who it was from I think it was from blogging the boys but I got that article and I was like hmm The headline of the article read, Demarcus Lawrence, seventh best edge rusher, according to PFF. And I was like, that's that's not right. That's not right. He didn't have 10 sacks for the last two seasons. They probably screwed it up and they probably put somebody that they shouldn't have in front of them. And that's exactly what they did, ladies and gentlemen. Demarcus Lawrence, and we'll read the citation that they gave me. Demarcus Lawrence is the seventh best pass rusher in the league according to Pro Football Focus. Let me, excuse me, best edge rusher in the league according to Pro Football Focus. Let me read you the the summary of what they wrote. Pass rush is always going to draw headlines for edge defenders. Lawrence has been one of the league's best in that department. That is not correct at all. He's not a good pass rusher, but all right here we go, putting up a top 10 pass rush win rate at the position since 2017. But it's, it's surprising that people want to bring up all of these statistics like pressures and pass rush win weight, rate, excuse me. But for some weird reason, they don't want to bring up the most important position or not position, but statistic when it comes to pass rush, which is what, ladies and gentlemen, say it with me. Quarterback hits and sacks, especially sacks. And when he comes to freaking sacks, ladies and gentlemen, he does not win that much. And as much as people want to be like, well, like, like, listen, man, if you're beating your offensive lineman within three three seconds off of uh, after the snap, like, like, all right, that's good. But in some case, but in some of the some cases, like, quarterbacks aren't even getting the ball out within three seconds. They're getting the ball out within half a second. Not half a second, like uh, one and a half seconds or two seconds. Like, like three seconds is way too freaking slow. By the time you turn the corner, the ball is out. By the time you get to the quarterback, the wide receiver's running up the doggone field. Three seconds is not good enough, ladies and gentlemen. And I know that's how they measure it. Can you beat an offensive tackle in three seconds? Sorry to break it to the majority of the league, but there are some teams that get the ball out pretty damn quick. Like Kansas City. Mahomes got the ball out in 2.5 seconds. Like, like we can look at Dak. Dak Prescott's getting the ball out in 2.77 seconds. Right? dudes are getting the ball out of their hands incredibly quickly and people want to talk about well this guy can get there in three seconds and it's like balls already out by then I don't care about three seconds and then the thing that that really really jingles my jangles ladies and gentlemen oh no 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 no! wait wait did I read it did I read it did I read the entire thing no I did not read the entire thing I apologize let me let me continue forward we were talking about his past rush win weight where he was top 10 and and winning at pass, rush, at, 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 at pass rush, but then I, I freaking don't see him get a lot of sacks, a lot of quarterback hits, but, you know, regardless. all right. Continuing forward, however, he has also been an elite run defender in recent years. Can somebody explain to me how Dalvin Cook against the Cowboys, I think twice in the last two years, has gotten over 100 yards, or Antonio Gibson getting over 200 yards and three touchdowns, or God help us, the Cleveland Browns getting 300 yards with a scrub, and I don't don't even know who they had. Like like Nick Chubb got hurt in the Cowboys game, or how about the Baltimore Ravens getting 294 yards? We really want to go there with the Marcus Lawrence is a winner when it comes to stopping the run and that he's a great pass rusher as well. We really want to go there. Are you sure? You sure about that? Let's continue forward. However, he has also been an elite run defender in recent years. Lawrence's 90.1 run defense grade over the last four seasons makes him one of just seven players at the position to clear the 90 mark since 2017. Which again... Why is that? Why is he not productive, right? Could you imagine me saying to you, right? Like um, Dak Prescott statistically can throw an awesome deep pass, right? But then once he gets into the game, his receivers can't catch his passes, right? And I'm like, hold on a minute. It doesn't matter statistically or mechanically or technically if he can actually throw an awesome deep pass. What matters is, is if A, the wide receiver can catch it, which, you know, let's say he, he's one of the worst when it comes to just catch rates, when it comes to uh, throwing the deep ball, let's say they can't catch it. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It Like, it doesn't matter all of the statistics that prove that, and I put prove in air quotes, that, are, that prove that he's, you know, an awesome deep ball thrower if his guys can't catch his freaking footballs. It's arbitrary. It's something random that you pick out to prove a point, essentially. It's very arbitrary. It's very weird as well. Like, why are we talking about all these other things? Just show me your sacks. I can tell you if you're a good passer. So show me your sacks. Show me your sacks. I can look up Cam Jordan sacks. L- like, like, let's let's just look up. Let's just look up Cam Jordan sacks. Let, let me let me show you something. Cam Jordan. Let's see how many sacks he's got he's got seven and a half. Last year. I think he was a little bit banged up. The year before that, he has 15 and a half. The year before that, he has 12. The year before that, he has 13. The year before that, he has seven and a half. And the last time that he had seven and a half sacks, he, uh, it was in 2016. The year before that, he had 10. The year before that, he had seven and a half. The year before that, he had 12 and a half. The year before that, he had eight. And you have to go all the way back to 2011, 11, ladies and gentlemen, to see Cam Jordan have less than five sacks, excuse me, less than seven and a half sacks in a season, and that was his first season in the NFL in 2011. Pretty good pass rusher, right? Let's look up, uh, let's look up JJ. Let's look up the big boy. Right? Oh, that's cheating, 24. You can't look. I I will look up JJ Watt. I'll do whatever the hell I want to. Five sacks last year because he was hurt. No, because the team sucked and because he was hurt. Four sacks last year. The year before that, excuse me, because again, he was hurt and he team sucked. 2018, 16 sacks. Right. By the way, anything over 10 is, is great. 2017, zero. I don't think he played that much that season. Year before that, 1.5. And this is like, the, those five, six years were when he was hurt on and off. In 2015, 17.5, 2014, 20.5, 2013, 10.5, 2012, 20.5, and even in his rookie season in 2011, five and a half sacks. Oh, but you don't like that, do you? You don't like it whenever I bring out my my big boys, my big guns, right? Let me bring out another big gun, right? Let me bring out Vaughn Miller, right? Vaughn Miller, he's been hurt the last couple of years. But let's check out his numbers, right? Oh, my God. His numbers are fucking insane. Eight sacks, ladies and gentlemen, in 2019 because he got hurt in 2020 before the season started and he couldn't even play. 14 and a half, 10, 13 and a half, 11, 14. Have to go all the way back to 2013, ladies and gentlemen, to see him have less than eight sacks in a season in which he would have five, ladies and gentlemen. And then he had 18 and a half. Ladies and gentlemen, in 2012, and then Jesus H. Christ, he had 11 and a half sacks his rookie season. We're continuing forward, ladies. I just, I just want to overly prove my point. Just want to overly, and you're gonna tell me, well, 24, 24, DeMarcus Lawrence, he's not on the level of those guys. But then why are people putting him in the level of those guys? I didn't put DeMarcus Lawrence as the seventh best pass rusher in the NFL. I'm not one of the guys that says that I like paying DeMarcus Lawrence $20 million even though he doesn't do anything whatsoever. I'm not one of those guys. It's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault who didn't put him in this, excuse me, who did put him in this rare air. Shaq Barrett who had a on and off career with the Broncos. I think he just got paid down there in Tampa nine and a half sacks in 2019 eight sacks in 2020 and then it's like three four one and a half and then five and a half with the Denver Broncos but even he is one of the best pass we saw what he did in the Super Bowl let's check out JPP and then we're done just googling names let's just check out JPP let's check out his numbers nine and a half sacks last season essentially Demarcus Lawrence No, not essentially, better than Demarcus Lawrence, right? JPP, JPP is a older, worse version of himself with less fingers, and he, he, ladies and gentlemen, is able to get nine and a half sacks. JPP, nine and a half last year in 2020 when they won the Super Bowl, Eight and a half the year before that. Twelve and a half the year before that. Eight and a half the year before that. Seven the year before that. And 2015 is his first time that he didn't have more than eight, not eight, seven sacks. And he only had one in 2015. And it looks like he may have been hurt. And then 2014, 12 and a half. 2013, two. 2012, six and a half. 2011, 16 and a half. 2010, four and a half. He is a good Defensive end. And he is productive at getting sacks, ladies and gentlemen. But for some weird reason, we're, we're fiending for DeMarcus Lawrence. DeMarcus Lawrence, let me read you his numbers. Let me give you his numbers. Two thousand twenty-six and a half. Two thousand nineteen five. This is the, the, these are the years where he made all of his money essentially. 2018, 10 and a half sacks, 2017, 14 and a half, 2016, one, 2015, eight, 2014, zero. That was his rookie year. He has 45 and a half sacks in his NFL career. JPP has double that at 89.5 or 89.0. Shaq Barrett, who has been unproductive for huge swaths of his career, Has 41.5 sacks. He's like four. He's like four sacks away from tying for um for tying up DeMarcus Lawrence, essentially. Four. And he only has been extremely productive for the last two years. Von Miller has 106. JJ Watt has 101. Cam Jordan has 94.5. And people. People want to tell me sacks aren't the biggest thing, but for these guys, they are. For the best pass rushers in the NFL, they are. But for DeMarcus, we, we play, oh man, like he wins against offensive linemen. Then why can't he sack Daniel Jones? Why can't he sack a rookie quarterback in Jalen Hurts or Alex Smith? Right? Division is weak. Giants had a piss poor offensive line. What about Washington? I don't know who their right tackle is. Eagles, they didn't have Delane Johnson. Lane Johnson got hurt at the end of the season. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like Demarcus Lawrence is such a overrated player to me. You can't tell me that sacks aren't the only thing when it comes to defensive ends and pass rushes, pass rushers, because it is, or maybe not the only thing, but the main thing, right? Otherwise, we're getting into these very weird statistics. Like, if you're asking him to run block, sure, fine, whatever, or run, or, or be a run-stuffing defensive, sure, fine, whatever. I can think of some, some of the guys that I just mentioned are better at run-stuffing than Demarcus Marcus Lawrence, Some of those guys that I just mentioned are better at 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 getting tackles for a loss. Sure, fine. If you want to if you want to be like, all right, fine. You know, he's great in at run stuffing. All right, fine. Sure. But don't tell me that he's a great pass rusher. He's not. There are times in a season where Cam Jordan will take over JPP Shaq Barrett. Those two guys that I just mentioned JPP Shaq Barrett They freaking took over the Super Bowl biggest game of the season took it over and Shaq Bear didn't have a great season last season but he freaking took over the Super Bowl. It's times where JJ Watt will freaking pop off. Take over football games. When was the last time you've seen DeMarcus Lawrence have a dominant performance against an offensive line? Not just an offensive lineman but him moving them around moving to find better matchups. Helping guys eat as well. I remember against the Seattle Seahawks game. This is my flashpoint moment. Moment, excuse me, for me with Demarcus Lawrence. They tried to move him over to the guy that Alden Smith was beating the shit out of, in the first half, because Alden Smith was beating the crap out of the the uh, the left the left tackle, excuse me, and Dwayne Brown, and um and, and then they're like, cool, let's let Demarcus Lawrence eat, and DeMar- because Demarcus Lawrence was struggling against the right tackle, so they swapped their defensive ends. Demarcus Lawrence is against the left tackle, Dwayne Brown. Alden Smith is against the right tackle. I don't know his name. Alden Smith was still able to destroy the right tackle. Demarcus Lawrence was contained. Mm. Another guy that I didn't mention his statistics, I mentioned, not I mentioned, but I pulled him up anyways, Chandler Jones, one of the best pass rushers in the league. 2020, he got hurt early on, but um, essentially he's had double-digit sacks since 2015. 19, 13, 17, 11, 12 and a half. Going back to the 2014 season with the Patriots, where they won the Super Bowl, six sacks. And then 2013, 11 and a half. And then in his rookie year, you have six. He is a consistent production monster when it comes to sacks. He has 100, not 100, he has 97.0 sacks. And some people are going to tell me, but what, 24, he didn't, DeMarcus didn't play. He didn't play 24. He didn't play. He hasn't played In as many, he's played since 2014. He's played since 2014. That, ladies and gentlemen, is two years less than Chandler Jones. And Chandler Jones has double the amount of sacks. You don't have to get 20 sacks a season. You don't have to get 19. You just have to get 10. 10, 10 a season. And I'm happy. I'll go home. He, got, he gets 10 season ten sacks last season, I'm happy. He gets 10 sacks the season before that, I'm happy. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Lawrence in the last few seasons got 6.5 and, and 5. Do you want to know the class of pass rusher that DeMarcus Lawrence is in with 6.5 and, and 5 sacks, ladies and gentlemen? Do you want to know? He is in the same air as a Taco Charlton, the defensive end that Dallas— released at not after but during the 2019 season. That's the air that he's in. A backup or rotational defensive end that got cut by the Cowboys released by the Miami Dolphins and is now with the Kansas City Chiefs and is like a rotational player for them. $22 $22 million, ladies and gentlemen, down the crapper. But let's continue forward with this conversation about the PFF list. Good God, it's humid. Hold on, I got to turn on my AC. It's like super humid in here, I don't know why. Am I boring you? Wake up! Better not be boring you. Anyways, um, let's continue, right? So, they overrated Shaq Barrett at eight but the main guy that I felt was just disrespected on a whole nother level. I didn't even mention Zadarius Smith, who I would take in a heartbeat in a fucking heartbeat over to Marcus Lawrence. They ranked Chandler Jones as the 16th best pass rusher in the league. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, he's the guy that's probably been the best defensive end for the last couple of years or one of the best defensive ends in the last couple of years. Uh, with again 19 sacks 13 sacks 17 11 and 12 and a half in the last five years they don't apparently care about sacks and pff the paragraph that they gave he's ranked 16th overall when it comes to uh to pass rushers ladies and gentlemen he's behind chase young that's a fucking joke but chandler jones here's the quote The potential is there for a formidable duo in Arizona with Jones and Watt now joining forces as teammates. They ranked first and second respectively in sacks since Jones entered the league in 2012. Jones appeared in just five games for Arizona in 2020, but he recorded a career-high 90.0 pass rushing grade the last time he played a full season. That was the, I believe, 19-sack season. There you go. There's a statistic that actually um, will give him uh, like legitimate credibility when it comes to his ability to rush the passer continuing forward he's a key part of a talented front seven that may need to make life easier for a shaky cornerback group by speeding up opposing quarterbacks 16th overall on their big board instead of Demarcus Lawrence being probably unranked is that it Is that it? Yeah, for the most part. It was just like one of those things that I was just like, wow, that's a joke. That's hilarious and terrible at the exact same time that they think that Chandler Jones is like way worse than DeMarcus Lawrence. And I'm a Cowboy fan, and I'm just like, I don't get the whole, like, I don't get the whole Cowboy, the uh, the whole DeMarcus Lawrence thing. I'm like, he's not productive. He doesn't have great games where he takes over games and he destroys opposition. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it myself. Let me plug in my computer. It's almost out of battery. Hold on. There we go. Continuing forward. I was watching the NFL Network today. I was watching some football. As I always like to do now on these weekends, Saturdays, is, uh, is for the boys. Football a lot of football going on right watching some football right as I am watching football I get this there's this thing at the bottom of my screen that's rolling past and I'm just like what is that and they tell me who the top 10 pass rushers are right and as I look at the names I'm just like that doesn't make any sense That's stupid. Why are these names here? And I look at their, their list of players and I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. This is a terrible list. They're using terrible statistics. They don't understand which statistics that matter when it comes to being a wide receiver and why they matter. And they're just picking cool little statistics to make them seem awesome and intelligent. But in reality, it just makes them look ridiculous. Let's let's read on a little bit. Here we go. Here's according to NetGen Gen statistics, which are about as useful as a dog that can't hunt in this situation. Here's the uh, here's the start of the uh, the article. We'll read the uh, the I guess I, I don't want to say the tagline. I, I, the the starting couple of paragraphs essentially. The Stefan Diggs trade sent shockwaves through the NFL just before the start of Free agency in 2020. More than a year later, we know it paid off for both sides. Minnesota sent Diggs to Buffalo in exchange for a first-round pick that eventually became LSU wideout Justin Jefferson. Both had banner seasons in new homes last year, landing in the league's top four in receiving yards. Now, um, it depends on like it depends on how you how you define paid off for both sides. Because uh, last time I checked, one team went to the AFC Championship game and the other team didn't go to the playoffs. So, depends on how you look at it, paid off for both sides. After taking a deeper look at the advanced metrics, I put that, I roll my eyes because it's not like super advanced. It's very, very bare bones. I understood it. After taking a deeper look at the advanced metrics, our previous thoughts on the two have been confirmed. Diggs and Jefferson both landed among the league's top pass catchers according to next gen stats. Using catch rate, the percentage of targets caught, and expected catch rate, average completion probability when targeted, we've determined the top 10 pass catchers across the league from the 2020 season. After two tight ends earned a spot on last year's list, only, only one made the cut this time around. He probably isn't the one you expect, and he certainly holds a loftier ranking than you'd anticipate. Meanwhile, popular tight ends like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller Didn't earn a slot, though Kelsey and Waller weren't too far outside of the top 10, and George Kittle's injury-hampered season doomed his chances of landing on this list. Among all qualifying players, minimum of 50 targets, 50 receptions, and 300 routes run, these guys were the best in pro football at hauling in passes. trying to think 300 Rouch one is like 300 plays obviously I would go to like 70 targets i would go to 70 70 targets but you know it is what it is that would kind of thin out the herd a little bit more but you know that would make your that would make your list a little bit more feasible in my opinion let me look at their last year's list okay all right is it by the exact same metrics yes it is i'm guessing but this like kind of actually makes sense it's not like super egregious like the uh, the number one guy was like in last year's list in the 2019 season uh was michael thomas and then it was tyler lockett stefan diggs marvin jones calvin ridley amari cooper hunter henry george kittle emmanuel sanders and then aj brown which it's like those names kind of make sense this year doesn't make any sense right let me scroll all the way down let me divine let me explain to you why okay so essentially like he said like the explainer said essentially how they measured it was catch rate and expected catch rate and they also put in the difference and again catch rate is how is the percentage of how many footballs you're catching The expected catch rate is how many footballs they think they'll catch and there's usually a difference between the two, right? Maybe it's by five points or five percent. Maybe it's six percent, whatever, right? But you but like essentially in this list, the big difference is the difference, right? The reason why certain guys are in this list that really shouldn't be and the reason why other guys aren't which they should be and these are the best pass catchers according to next gen stats and This is why whenever people who watch tape talk about stats being garbage, this is one of the reasons why they point out. Because essentially all they did was they looked at the difference between catch rate and expected catch rate. And if you add um, essentially over 7.6 points, 7.6% essentially, um, uh, of a difference between your catch rate and your expected catch rate, then you are essentially on this list. Like, for example, Tim Patrick, he was on this list with a catch rate of 64.6 um, with an expected catch rate of 57%. Now, a little bit of context, like 60% is great. If you're catching 60%, maybe not great, but it's, it's pretty damn good. If you're catching 60% of your passes, you're doing something right, right? i just put that in perspective. Like, yes, like 60% of your catches caught are fantastic. You, you are a reliable target for um for quarterbacks in the wide in, not in the wide receiver excuse me in the uh, in the nfl and tim uh, patrick was one of the more reliable targets for drew lock is he a top 10 wide receiver in the nfl fuck no absolutely not moving forward number nine wolf fuller again with the theme of if you have a high difference between your catch rate and your expected catch rate you're one of the best receivers in the league according to next gen sats his difference between his catch rate and expected catch rate was seven point six percent continuing for Tyler Lockett deserves to be here great wide receiver 75.8 percent catch rate um, 67.8 percent expected catch rate the difference is eight points he deserves to be there same thing goes with Justin Jefferson I'm not going to cover Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen Corey Davis why Why? 9.7%. I mean, we know why. 9.7% difference when it comes to catch rate and expected catch rate. Not going to cover Devontae Adams. Chris Godwin as well, because they are actually good wide receivers. Stephon Diggs at one. And then Robert Tanyan with a 16.7% difference between his catch rate and his expected catch rate. When I saw this list, I was like, oh, they're just – going by the difference as I said before and I was like well you're not looking at the most important statistics ladies and gentlemen Or not ladies and gentlemen next-gen stats because why wouldn't you then put in yards and touchdowns just put in yards and touchdowns and see how many yards and touchdowns some of these guys that you have on this list have over one another like let's just look up Tim Patrick let's just look up Tim Patrick right how many touchdowns does Tim Patrick have? I think he had six, right? Tim. Patrick. How many touchdowns did he have? Oh, wait. Let me look up stats. Let me look up his stats. Let me not just Google his name. Yeah, he had six touchdowns, right? He had 742 yards, 51 receptions, 14.5 yards per catch, which is awesome, by the way. He was a good receiver for them. He was a good receiver. Top 10? Absolutely not. How is Devontae... How, not Devontae Smith. How is fucking DeAndre Hopkins not on this list? What about Tyreek Hill? What type of season did Tyreek Hill have? Let me look up Tyreek Hill. And I get it. And I get it that, you know, it's a very, very specific, it's a niche thing. He had, fifth, he had 15 touchdowns. He had 15 touchdowns, Tyreek Hill had. He had 87 receptions, 1,200 yards, 14.7 yards per catch, and 15 touchdowns. And he's not on your top 10 list? I mean, I get I get it, right? I get it. You know, you like, you, you got to do some, you got to finesse the league. You got to finesse how, you know, you look at statistics and things of that nature. But when he has 15 touchdowns, ladies and gentlemen, excuse me for being a little bit suspicious about the list that we're putting out especially when we cover defensive ends we already did that we already were like this is ridiculous how much demarcus lawrence is being overrated or ranked excuse me over guys like chandler jones and jj watt he's ranked higher than jj watt ladies and gentlemen i didn't mention that as well going into the 2021 season People want to tell me that, you know, like, oh, man, oh, man, Ty, like Tyreek Hill, man. Not even on the list with 15 touchdowns. I, I just, I, <sighs> I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, what are we doing? What are we looking at? Somebody needs to explain it to me. Because I don't, like, and again, I get it. Again, they're finessing. They're fin- they're. You know they're finessing whatever they got to finesse. They're manipulating the uh, the game. But if you're gonna do it, like like I don't want to I don't want to see awesome. Look at our pass catchy, catcher Look at our pass catchers, our best pass catchers of the NFL season. And it's like these aren't the best pass catchers of the NFL season. You and I both know that they aren't. Because if they were, they would have more production. It's a pretty freaking easy like statement to make. Not even statement, but thing to look at. I don't get it. I mean, maybe not, I don't get it. I mean, I obviously get it, but I'm saying I don't get it as like a fellow word. I literally get it. Figuratively, though, I don't get it. I'm kind of speaking in hyperbole a little bit here. And I'm a little I'm being facetious, to be honest with you doesn't make any sense whatsoever to like not have some of your best pass catchers on your best pass catchers list according to expected pass expected catch expected what is it expected catch percentage catch rate excuse me versus your actual catch rate i ought to punt you across a room for that bs jesus christ give me a break Anyways, (coughs) Anyways. <coughs> let me move on to something else. I'm literally annoying myself with this. Let me talk about let me talk about the NBA here for a couple of minutes. As I have seen I think almost every single team play in the NBA. I, um, I'm watching a little bit of softball right now. I'm watching UCLA game three final game of, uh, of, uh, of the, uh, of the, chi- uh, of, of, of this series, Virginia Tech versus UCLA. UCLA had a great game too. UCLA freaking battling back yesterday, I, I believe, or the day before, I can't remember. Watching Rachel, garcia massage her thigh with one of those massager things i don't know what they're called i see them everywhere basketball players use them uh-oh i thought maya brady had just freaking cracked a, I, I mean it was a it, it freaking just went up in the air i thought she had freaking cracked one open i she didn't <laughs> i like she didn't she didn't she struggled like listen she struggled in the playoffs she sh- she has struggled but the way that that thing got air under it, I was like, uh-oh, that's not good. That's not good for Virginia Tech. But, yeah, I've seen every single team play. Memphis versus Utah is going on right now. The Memphis Grizzlies, I'm assuming, aren't – are trying to not get swept right now. Let me kind of check out the uh, the feed. Not the feed, but the uh, the actual series right now. Not the series, but, okay, so it's 1-1 right now. I mean they're down by 11 before the uh, before halftime, right? It's 55, 58. Excuse me, my Google is a little bit slow. 58-46 is the score right now. And John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies trying to do something, anything against the uh, the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell I think is playing. I'm, I think he's playing. I'm not sure. And then Utah goes up by 20, almost by 20. Sixty-one forty-six right now yeah donovan mitchell's playing he's in his he's in his sweats but he you know he's got his jersey on he's been playing <clears throat> anyways we are essentially god damn it i literally go off of watching ucla and ucla just scored three to zero i think they're gonna take the series right now bottom of the third Kylie Perez, UCLA infielder from 2015 to 2018. She's in the stands and she's fucking screaming her head off right now. I don't know what's going on. Did they just, I mean, I I missed it. I don't know what's going on. But I just, I don't know what's going on. But I mean, oh man, Jesus Christ. I just missed it. I, I hope they show it on replay. Because I didn't I didn't get the opportunity to see them freaking hit bombs, you know? <clears throat> it sucks. For me, at least. Anyways, after seeing every single team play, by the way, shout out to the Portland Trail Blazers. They just tied the series today. 115-95. Uh, the MVP, Jokic, is struggling right now. After that game, they tie up the series. I've seen every single game. I've, maybe not every single game. I've seen at least a game of every single team in the playoffs, which is not a large sample size, ladies and gentlemen. It really is not. It's, in fact, piss poor. I dislike it. I despise myself for it. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. If you ask me right now, hold on. They're showing the homer, I think yep number three just hit a big homer she's freaking running around the bases now she's jogging because she knows that she just hit a homer shout out to number three I don't know who that is Brianna Perez oh that's Kylie's sister I think I think that's why her sister was juiced up about it anyways shout out to UCLA they're freaking destroy. by the way shout out to uh, the pitcher for Virginia Tech because oh my god She's been fan- she was fantastic game 1. I forgot her name. But she was fantastic game 1. She had freaking single-handedly destroyed literally single-handedly destroyed UCLA entire in, in, in their entire dugout, whatever they're called. I don't know what. Their entire offense, their batters. I don't know what they're called. Freaking destroyed them. Absolutely obliterated them by herself. They didn't need, they they barely even needed to use their out or infield or even their basement. Because she was just striking girls out With her big ass right arm Jesus Christ But now she's struggling Sucks Kinda sucks Anyways, um, back to basketball So With basketball, right Seeing every single team play I'm gonna make a prediction I'm gonna make a prediction About the NBA, The NBA season So bear with me on this prediction is not necessarily a a wild and miraculous prediction we've been talking I've been talking about it for the last couple of days I've been as I've watched more and more basketball I think I'm able to tell you and predict to you and I like to do this stuff I like to see how much you know how much of a feel I have for the NBA season how how much of a feel I have for the teams involved and things of that nature but I I just want to put it out there you know I want to make sure it's out there it's out there it's going to be out there Uh, essentially make sure that I that I tell you and you know that I know that I think that there's going to be two teams I mean obviously there's going to be two teams that are coming out of the east uh, out of the uh, out of the respective conferences excuse me but more importantly than the two teams the two teams that will be playing in the NBA finals I believe are going to be the Los Angeles Lakers barring significant injuries I think the Los Angeles Lakers will come out of the West and I think the Brooklyn Nets will come out of the East. That's not a surprise whatsoever if you've been following basketball, but I want to put it out there. I want to be the first one to put it out there. Potentially, I'm not really sure, but I'm going to put it out there. No surprise there. I think the, um, the the Phoenix Suns are going to get absolutely obliterated by the Lakers in, uh, in, in tomorrow. And then I think the Lakers are going to go back to Phoenix and destroy the uh, the Phoenix Suns. Like as every single game has Has kind of progressed As we've gotten deeper into the series The more obvious it is that the Lakers Are starting to pick up a beat On the Suns And the, uh, the more obvious it is that they're going to Destroy it, The Phoenix Suns As they continue to Relentlessly destroy the Phoenix Suns Then on top of that You have the Brooklyn Nets Now they lost last night to the Celtics in Boston, which sucks for them. But the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, they're just better. They're they're a better basketball team. Jason Tatum had scored 50 points when in the last in the in the majority of the series he only scored like nineteen or fifteen or something like that. And it hasn't even been close. Like the series has not been close up until last night's debacle where the Celtics beat the the Nets Candidly. and even like the Nets had awesome play by James Harden and Kevin Durant and it still didn't matter and I also think by the way while we're on the train of the Nets and the Lakers in the NBA Finals I think the Nets are gonna win like that's obvious but sometimes it's not about the the destination ladies and gentlemen it's about the journey right so obviously Lakers are going to be playing in the Western Conference Finals but how are they going to get there well more likely than not, they're probably, I don't know the rankings, I don't know the seating, right? More likely than not. So, I'll kind of give you, I'll kind of spoil the, the, uh, the series here, right? Can I see the bracket of the NBA playoffs? It's essentially a tournament style, right? I mean, not essentially, it is. Bracket NBA playoffs 2021. There we go. There we go. boom bam there we go awesome all right so lakers are playing up against the phoenix suns whoever comes out of the portland versus the denver series is going to go up against the lakers i think it's going to be portland i think they're going to beat denver by the way if portland and the lakers beat phoenix and denver uh that means that the lower seeds within the um the uh the the games right will beat the higher seats because Denver is the third overall team, Phoenix is the second overall team in the West, obviously. So that's not good. That's no bueno for of course the seedings of the uh, of the NBA because it once again proves that seating doesn't matter in the NBA. Then you would have Portland versus the Lakers, who they would obviously beat. And then it would be a question mark on who they would play in the conference finals. Now, let's switch over. Let's switch over to the other side of the bracket, right? So, Utah versus the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm going to say the, uh, you know, it's a C, it's tied series. I haven't really seen a lot of those two teams play, so it's kind of a wild card for me. I'm going to say... I'm going to say utah is going to come out of that series i'm going to say utah is going to come out of that series they're going to have they have uh donovan uh, wilson excuse me or donovan mitchell i'm thinking of donovan wilson the safety for the cowboys they got donovan mitchell they got um rudy gobert they got a good team they're the one seed they'll beat memphis i think they're beating memphis right now and i think they'll go to the conference semifinals lake not lakers Los Angeles Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks. I think Dallas has that series. They're going to lock it down. Then they're going to lose to Utah in the semis. And then the Lakers are going to beat the Utah Jazz in the conference finals going to the NBA finals. That is my Western Conference bracket. This is like March Madness. I'm kind of surprised that nobody does this for the NBA. Let's look at the East, right? Let's look at the Brooklyn Nets Brooklyn's going up against Boston I think they beat Boston I I mean that they're they're gonna beat Boston tomorrow boom like that Milwaukee just beat the Heat they swept them say goodbye 4-0 not even close the Heat are a faux team they're a faux but I I remember Joy Joy Taylor was a little bit salty about it she's like she's like well if the Heat are a bubble team, then the Lakers are a bubble champion, and it's like, well, that's not necessarily true because the Lakers are actually a good basketball team, and they're actually competing up against the, uh, the, uh, they're they're the seventh seed, the Lakers. So, um, uh, not so were the uh, the Heat, the Bucks were actually the, not not the Bucks, the the Boston Celtics were the seventh seed, excuse me. But I mean, the Heat were a lower ranked team against a higher ranked team, and the Lakers are a high ranked team against. Or, excuse me, our lower-ranked team against the higher-ranked team. And the Lakers haven't made it look even close except in the first game. It's been Lakers all freaking day, all day long. Hasn't been close. I feel bad for Joy, but... I mean, people who were saying... I mean, people deserve it when they say that the Heat were going to beat the Lakers last year. I was like, that's ridiculous. Anyways. Heat got swept, I think, today by the Bucks, Brooklyn right now on top two one against the Celtics I see I think they beat the Celtics I went on a diatribe about the uh, the Bucks versus um, the Heat and I was like I don't like how the Bucs play with Giannis they got Drew Holiday they got Middleton they got all these other guys they got shooters stuff like that Giannis kind of looks like a donut out there a little bit they can't figure out how to utilize him and it's been pretty easy for the, um, the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks with all of their awesome players. Now, against, for example, a team like Brooklyn, I think they'll struggle. I think Brooklyn will beat them, obviously. And then Brooklyn will go from the conference semifinals to the conference finals. And let's see who they're going up against, the, uh, the 76ers. <laughs> I'm like, they're going up against 76ers. 76ers right now are 3-0 against Washington. They'll sweep them. And the, uh, the Atlanta Hawks versus the New York Knicks. Atlanta's leading 2-1 against the Knicks. And, uh, I mean, good God. Did you see Spike Lee? They're going to go up against them tomorrow. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen with Trey Waite in a couple of days. Technically tomorrow. Tomorrow with the, uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. It's going to be an awesome game. It's going to be an awesome series. And uh, they're essentially going to sweep them except for losing one game. So, shout out to the Atlanta Hawks. Shout out to Trey Young. He's absolutely freaking getting into people's chest right now when it comes to how awesome he is. So Hawks will beat the uh, the Knicks. The 76ers will beat the Washington football team. Not Washington football team. Washington Wizards, excuse me. And then the the uh, the Atlanta Hawks will probably give a good series. Maybe they'll give up. Maybe they'll get one, maybe two games. Maybe two. Two games, maybe. We'll see. And it's going to be like a hard-fought two games, maybe a hard-fought one game that they're going to get from the uh, from the 76ers, and then they'll lose the 76ers 76ers will advance to the conference finals where they will proceed to lose to the Nets Nets will beat the uh, the Lakers in the NBA finals and then Kevin Durant for I believe this third time will raise a championship trophy Kyrie Irving the second time Blake Griffin the first time James Harden the first time and I'm happy for all those players that joined up a super team and shoved it in everybody's face that whines and bitches about super teams when Michael Jordan was on a super team, Magic Johnson was on a super team, Larry Bird was on a super team. Um, I, uh, the Detroit Pistons were a super team in the 90s. Fuck off with everybody saying, and then everybody's like, "Well, they got drafted." Well, last time I checked, Bill, Bill fucking Russell, or not Bill Russell, but Kareem was like a Milwaukee Buck. Shut up about super teams not being formed. They've been being formed since like the 80s. Shut up. Jesus Christ. Everybody moans and complains about super team. It's the NBA. Stop bitching. You're affecting the ratings. You're making everybody else in your fucking sport poorer. Great job. NBA on TNT and every sports commentator that commentates about basketball. "Uh, There's a lot of super teams in the NBA. No shit, Sherlock. There's literally been super teams since the 80s. Shut up. Anyways. I was going to talk about Mac Jones and how, like, Mac Jones is being criticized for his height. But, I mean, how stupid is that? I mean, like, everybody wants to talk about people's height, how big or how small somebody is. Kyler, uh, Kyler, or, I was about to say Kyler Irving for some weird reason. Kyler Murray got criticized for how short he is every single day. Every idiot that said, oh, Kyler Murray can't play in the NFL. He's too short. They're fucking idiots. And then you have people be like, oh, Patrick Mahomes' hand size is too small. Fucking idiots. Joe Burrow last year with his fucking hand size and I was just like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to talk about Mac Jones's height because I'm like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life and it's coming from Patriots organization. They're like uh, uh like I thought uh, Mac Jones was 6-4. I thought he was Brady's height. I'm like what the fuck it's listed at Alabama that he's six foot three. Brady was six foot four. And the reality of the situation is, if you know anything about college football, they lie like a rug when it comes to their players' heights. And usually they'll gas them up. They'll make them seem taller than they actually are. I'm like, if you actually, I remember like somebody was like, when you watch the tape, you think that Mac Jones is, is six foot four. You're like, no, you don't. He's obviously, he has to look up to his freaking to his freaking um to his freaking like offensive lineman. Like, what are you talking about? Mac Jones is 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 Brady's hype. Brady literally is a giraffe. What? 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 Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Anyways. Do I have these articles here? Yes, I do. So a couple of days ago, right, I'm on my computer or on my phone, right, reading an article. I this this is how like every great story gets told on the podcast. I'm I'm on my computer, I'm reading an article. Right? Reading this article about Jason Garrett, right? And people are like, you know what? I don't really want Jason Garrett to be gone. I mean, I I really, really like Jason Garrett. Let me try and find the actual article. Hold on. Let me also move my water bottle. It was about to fall off my desk. Let me find it here. I can't find it. Essentially, the article was essentially about how Jason Garrett his ass is on the hot seat, right? And how people were like, I'm not going to fire Jason Garrett after one season and cause a bunch of issues for Matt Jones and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I would have, I would have fired, I wouldn't have even hired him. I don't know why he's hired. I don't know why he's an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I don't know. But regardless, Jason Garrett is on the New York Giants roster as the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. And I'm sadly disappointed because they're probably going to lose a bunch of football games this year. Now, the question kind of is, all right, what exactly are the Giants going to do with Jason Garrett and blah 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 blah. Well, I was watching ironically enough, not even for this reason. I was watching the Dallas Cowboys this season, right? Not this season, but in 2018 during the the prime of the Garrett years and their offense was fucking terrible. It was archaic, it was old, it was outdated. They very rarely, I was watching the Eagles game specifically, they very rarely attack the middle of the field, which is just, it's just so much fucking space to operate in, and you don't have to deal with the sideline, and it's just like, like, like I was surprised at how much they fucking just attacked the the fucking sidelines with, like, curls and comebacks and stop routes, and they, they very rarely, if ever, ran slants. And I was like, even when, I was like, this is a perfect time. There's very, very few people over the middle of the field. It looks like they're about to rush Dak. What was the play call? 24, what was the play call? What was the play call? Well, the, it was an out route to Kobe. It went for a first down, but for some weird reason, they were like, yeah, we're just not going to talk the, uh, the middle of the field. Made me want to puke. Made me want to puke. But in the case of the... New York Giants. How does this affect them? Well, they're probably going to be running stops, comebacks, curls. They're going to be running all that crap that they ran uh, last year, except to potentially a lesser effect this year because people now have the playbook on them. And some people are going to tell me, well, what about Kadarius Toney? What about Kenny Galladay? What about what about those players? What about those players will tell you that they will do exactly what they did do this year, that they did do the last year in Dallas, the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that? Very, very little utilization of motion. Very, 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 very little utilization of attacking the middle of the field and attacking downfield as well. The article goes on to say that the things that Daniel Jones does well. The Giants don't utilize well, and of course, that leads to inefficient play by Mac Jones. What a surprise! You don't do what a quarterback is strong at. You go away from what he's strong at. You have to do what he. Could you imagine going to Tom Brady in a offensive meeting and be like, "Hey, Tom, listen. We know you're a great pocket passer. We know you're a great processor of information. You, you make smart decisions when you're throwing the football. Accurate. You, we know you can throw an accurate football. We know you you can digest." what the defense is doing. We know We know all of that. you want to know what we're going to do? Hey, guys, listen. Hey, we, we just thought about it. We're going to have you run a read option offense. We're going to have you running out there a lot more. You know, you're 43, 44 years old. We get it, but we also, we also like what we got. We also like what we got when it comes to running the read option and things of that nature. We love it, right? Love it. Could you imagine doing that with Tom Brady? Tom Brady will say, what the fuck are you doing? I'm Tom Brady. You ain't no run right there. That's essentially what they're doing down there. Down there. In freaking, you know, La La Land. In freaking New York. They're like, you know what? Let's not attack the middle of the field. Let's attack. Let's attack the sidelines. For some weird reason. For some weird reason. I don't know maybe it's because their coordinator isn't very good maybe it's because their coordinator can't can't come up with interesting schemes and concepts to utilize for the football team to make it to make the quarterback's job a little bit easier a little bit easier Maybe I'm losing my mind slowly I'm not sure Jason Garrett really head coach not head coach OC of the New York Giants I feel like he's the head coach I feel like that's who they want it down there. That's not who I would want if I'm a New York Giants fan. I'll tell you something right now. You're a New York Giants fan. You're clapping it up for Jason Garrett. You're drinking the same Kool-Aid that Jerry was for 10 doggone years. Poison his mind. Poison the Cowboys' ability to advance and to be great and to win football games. Let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. You talk to me about Jason Garrett and his ability to win football games and to construct an awesome offensive Scheme for the quarterback? I mean, you're talking about a guy, talking about a guy that with Tom, not Tom, Tony and Dak and Dez and Amari and Zeke and DeMarco and Tyron and Lael and Zach and Travis and all of these awesome football players offensively, this guy could only come up with a archaic, dated, offensive scheme for his football team. And that's what they got. And that's what they did. And they sucked for it. They were terrible for it. They were worse off for it. The Cowboys were. And now, that same venom, that same virus is now spread to the great city of New York for the interesting football team in the New York Giants. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Having a conversation of whether or not Jason Garrett should be on the hot seat. Or not. Just saying. I'm just saying. Or not even the the hot seat or not, but more specifically, if Jason Garrett, like, like, is Jason Garrett going to even turn it around? Which is a obvious and emphatic no. Because he didn't turn it around when he was in Dallas, and he had 10 years to do it. You think he's going to turn it I, I love how, like, the Giants media was, like, was pointing out all of the faults that Jason Garrett had had uh, in that last season with the New York Giants. And I was like, oh, you're just reading off what he did wrong with the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, no, this, he's doing the exact same thing in New York that he did with Dallas? Oh, oh, really? Oh, wow, that's awesome. It's great to see that he hasn't changed at all whatsoever. It's funny how that works. It's funny how people just don't change. It's funny how people can't seem to change. It's funny how even, even for the better, they can't seem to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jason Garrett will continue to be the head coach or the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants for probably as long as they want him to be. And, you know, hey, doesn't really matter because they're not interested in winning. They are interested in having people who they like in the building. Mm, We like people who we like in the building. We don't like winning Super Bowls. Whatever. Anyways, Daniel Jones probably going to suck again. His career probably will be in the gutter because of that. And um, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <clears throat> we'll see. Moving on. Final thing we got to talk about here today. I kind of wanted to cover this very, very briefly, very, very lightly with Daniel Jones. I was thinking about, all right, what are his expectations for next year? And we'll end with this topic. What exactly should Daniel Jones do this year as a quarterback in the NFL, right? Because, you know, it's his third year in the league. He's not a rookie. He's not a second-year player. He's two years into the Jason Garrett offense, things of that nature. Two years into the Joe judge regime i was I, I i forgot his last name his, the joe judge regime in new york what like what are the expectations what can we expect for daniel jones and then i extended that same like topic and talking point to joe judge and also not oh my god not joe judge joe burrow excuse me and uh, names are flying around in my mind right now joe burrow and also um justin jeff not justin jefferson jesus christ again name sluttering in my mind right now Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, right? So you got Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. What are their what are their expectations next year? And this can kind of extend it to them. Essentially what I want to see from everybody next year, specifically with Daniel Jones, is thirty five hundred yards or more. It should be around thirty-eight to four thousand yards. And also somewhere between a two to one or a I'll give him a little bit of slack, 1.8, maybe 1.7 touchdown to interception ratio. This is for Daniel Jones, Joe Barton, not for Daniel Jones. I'll get into J- Daniel in a little bit, but this is for like Joe and Justin. I have very high expectations for both quarterbacks. I think this will be a two to one touchdown to interception ratio type of year for them, which to be honest with you, it is actually, it, it's actually like, it's weird to say that, right? It's weird to say I want t- two touchdowns to one interception for Joe and Justin when they far exceeded that Justin I think he had a three to one touchdown and interception ratio and I think Joe was bordering that as well but I, I I'm also counting the fact that you know they were rookies they're probably going to have some type of a adaptation to the NFL or not an adaptation but they're going to have an adjustment excuse me to the league essentially meaning that the league will catch up to them And they'll figure out their weaknesses and they'll attack their weaknesses and then they'll go away from attacking their strengths, things of that nature. It happens to every single rookie. But um, I'm interested to see what will happen next year in their second year. And um, I wouldn't be like 38 yards. They're both 38, excuse me, 100 yards. They're both in passing offenses and um, a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio. That's it. I think some of the total touchdowns, total interceptions is arbitrary. It's like when you're a kid and you're learning how to simplify fractions. It's like it doesn't really matter the, the raw numbers. It's like, like if, if it's 40 touchdowns to 20 interceptions, all right, fine. Like You may want to like become a little bit more efficient, but you'll always take a shit ton of points. Um, maybe not a shit ton of turnovers, but it's like, well, do I think that you'll be able to get 40 touchdowns, 20 interceptions? No, no. Like, you're, you're, you got to be a little bit more efficient than that. But I think that um, a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio is, is very feasible for Joe and Justin. Now, Daniel is very, very similar, except he's not because he's in a run-first offense instead of in a passing offense, right? Uh, because they want to run the football with Saquon Barkley, and they're going to run the football with Saquon Barkley and they're gonna try to run the football with Saquon Barkley because Saquon Barkley is a running back who they believe that they can run between the tackles. And by they, I mean, what's his name? Um, freaking. Jason Garrett. I literally had a had a brain fart there. <clears throat> but um. But yes, like that is that is exactly what. Not exactly, but, like, they want to run the football with Saquon Barkley, and that's what exactly they're going to do, is essentially what I'm trying to say. So, in the case of the Giants and Daniel Jones, I'm not expecting a whole lot from him. I said, like, 3,500 yards, which is, I believe, similar to Dak Prescott's yards, I believe, when he, was, when he had Jason Garrett as his... Uh, not as his OC obviously but as his head coach essentially his OC because Jason was whispering in the ears of Kellen Moore and Scott Linehan yeah it was like it was like 30 and this is before they got Kellen Moore as the OC and he really revamped their offense 3,800 yards 33 and then 36 so I'm expecting like 3,500 yards for um for uh, for Daniel Jones right which I think he can more more he's more than capable of doing however um Touchdowns is kind of a weird thing. Like I'll still say two to one. I'll say two to one. Completion percentage. We'll see what the season like. Like you're not going to be a like completion percentage is kind of like you can't get any worse. You can only get better type of thing. Like if you're an NFL quarterback and if you're completing less than like sixty percent, you're essentially done in this league. And I don't think Daniel Jones is completing less than sixty percent. I think he's completing like sixty-two percent, right? yeah he completed 62 percent of his passes so it's like if you're completing anywhere less than 60 percent 62 percent you're essentially below average it's super easy to complete a bunch of passes in this uh in this league I would be surprised if Daniel Jones wasn't able to somehow some way complete a shit ton of passes however we'll see about it we'll see what happens with Daniel Jones we'll see about what happens with the Giants who do they play week one game one that's gonna be an interesting football game Let me look it up. Giants schedule. They think I'm talking about the San Francisco Giants. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Oh game one should be an easy game. Game one is the Broncos versus the Giants at Giants and then they go up against Washington the Falcons the Saints the Cowboys the Rams the Panthers. And then the Chiefs, I think week, like Chiefs, November 1st to, um, of this year, right? So they got a fucking hard-ass schedule. They got, you know, the, the, the Broncos game should be a gimme for them because I think Daniel Jones is a good enough quarterback to win that football game. But then they got Washington, then the Falcons, then the Saints, Cowboys, Rams, Panthers, I think should be another game that they should probably win. And then the Chiefs. And uh, that's no bueno. And then holy shit! Oh my god! Who gave them their schedule? It's then the Raiders, then the Bucks, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Chargers, Cowboys again, December nineteenth, Eagles, Bears, January second, and then Washington to close out the season. Yikes! They don't get a break, bro. I pity the fool that uh, that that is a Giants fan right now. <clears throat> Anyways. I'm beasting out for tonight. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast, 24th podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. I will see you Monday for uh, for more basketball. I think we're going to cast some more basketball games. I think so. I think that's what we're going to do here. I can't wait. We'll see what happens. Oh, man. Final. I think the next time I'll see you will be, yeah. I'll, I'll make an announcement and stuff like that later on but yeah, I'm going to peace out. I'll see you Monday. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Shout out to Rachel Garcia who is fucking having a night tonight. Oh my God. She's fucking striking out girls. I'm still watching UCLA versus Virginia Tech. I think UCLA has got the series. I was going to take a shower because I was like, I freaking went to like a cousin's graduation today. Shout out to her freaking graduated high school. It's a, you know, it's a, you know, it's a celebration anytime, you know, a family member uh, graduates, anything, you know. It was good seeing family members, talking to people, hanging out, shooting the shit, family members, stuff like that. Shout out to them. But yeah, I'm hot, I'm sweaty. I want to take a bath. I want to watch a movie now. And I will. All right. I'm peacing out. 24th podcast. I'll see you on on, uh, on Monday, excuse me.